0: Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud with me, your host, Jackie Shea. This is a place to relate to the darkest days and be inspired by ultimate triumph. Each week, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on, highly informed about something new, and connected to a tribe of amazing humans. Because the only way out is through, but it helps to have a tribe walking with you. Hi, dear friends. Happy new week. Hey, where do you want to kick your self-care up a notch this week? Do you need some prompting? Start your week with a free downloadable self-care checklist at JackieShea.com and kick your self-care into high gear this week. Let me know how it serves you. Okay, this week I have an awesome guest for you. Noelle Janka, healing coach and yoga teacher, came on to talk about her journey with, you guessed it, Lyme disease. We dive into Noelle's particular set of symptoms and how she healed with things we've never even talked about in this show. And quite frankly, my friends, things that inspired me as like new things to do to take my healing to the next level. We talk about on-demed treatments and DNRS protocols. For this week's challenge, we are going to get more intuitively in touch with our own needs which served me greatly in getting well keep listening for more if you like this podcast head over to your podcasting platform after the episode and subscribe rate and review us follow me on instagram at shay jackie for all sorts of wellness fun become a patron at patreon.com slash healing out loud and feel free to join the healing out loud with jackie shay facebook group contact me anytime for questions about working with me All of these links are below in the show notes. Scroll on down, click on any of them. All of the links that we discuss in the episode, anything we talk about is below in the show notes. I love you. Let's hit this week's episode. Hi, tribe. I have an awesome guest with me today, Noelle Jenga, a healing coach, intuitive mentor, and yoga teacher. More broadly, Noelle supports social change makers in seeing new possibilities for their healing career and the contribution they want to make in the world. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Jackie. So good to be with you. It's so great to have you here. We've been kind of on the periphery of one another's lives and our respective works with a lot of mutual respect for a couple of years now, so I'm glad we get to dive deeper today. Um, I know you're feeling so good, and congratulations on that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Can I just say one thing for you and your listeners, too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um I signed up for your Patreon today because your podcast has already supported me so much and so I just want to express my gratitude to you for doing this cuz I think I told you a while back I was thinking about doing a podcast um with another chronic illness coach and when we started getting into it I was like uh uh-uh, uh too much work. Oh. <laughs> so much respect for you and what you do. And I want to encourage other people to give to the Patreon and to really resource you so that you can keep doing this awesome work. Oh, Noelle, thank you. It is so
0: much more work than I expected. Yeah, it's no small
1: thing. I have to tell
0: you, you were smart to be like, Oh, that's a lot of work. Maybe I'll just, (laughs) you were not wrong. That's so sweet. Thank you so much for saying that and for signing up for the Patreon. Um, and I'm so glad like you are, you know, I, I want to support people that are getting well. And I am so thrilled to hear that you have been Lyme symptom free for months, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's um it's like I'm I still have some other sort of residual other things going on, but yeah, I mean it's it's really wild. And I, I just moved back to Boston after being gone for a year. And I keep seeing people who are like, holy shit, you're like really good. <laughs> wow. And it's like a, I almost forget. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I am a lot better.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. It's, um, It feels really, really good. It's I feel really grateful.
0: Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy to get better. And everything before getting better starts to feel so foggy sometimes, I feel like. Um <sighs> So we're going to dive into Lyme today. We're going to dive into you getting better today, but later. Uh, Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about what life was like before you got kind of mysteriously sick.
1: Um, Yeah, well, it was a long long time ago, so it's kind of hard to remember. So um, I'm 33 now, and I got sick, not entirely sure, I think like 15, 16, Um, uh I don't remember this at all but my mom says that I had a really bad flu for like a week and that all my weird symptoms started after that um but I don't know I was in high school I was an athlete I um did a lot of I thought I wanted to be a vet so I like worked as a vet tech in the summers and like I was um really into horses did a lot of horseback riding stuff um I don't know. It was like a, just a regular, happy, busy, lucky kid,
0: <laughs> full of energy, not getting, yeah. not like getting sick all the time.
1: No, yeah, I, I, you know, I know there's some people who kind of like they always had issues like when they were kids and stuff, but I was like super, super healthy before this happened. Right. So, what happened? Um, yeah, so apparently there was a mysterious flu that I don't remember. And then it was like a a series of like, things that like, it wasn't like totally knocked out. But it was like, my knees all of a sudden really hurt all the time. And at one point, I went to the eye doctor because I couldn't see very well. And I couldn't really read anymore. Like every time I started to read, I it was like, I, I felt like I needed to fall asleep. And they're like, you have 2020 vision, we don't know what's wrong with you. And um the doctors that I saw said things like oh you're too stressed you know like what lots of young women here unfortunately um at one point I was told to take prenatal vitamins um I was told that I had chronic fatigue but like no one ever really gave me any solutions that worked so I kind of just like um I don't know like limped along for a long time I was like all right I guess this is me like I guess I just can't squat because my knees hurt and that's and my back hurts. And like, that's just life. Like, you know, when you're younger, I think you're kind of you don't like, you sort of get used to stuff like I didn't think that it was like, I knew it wasn't normal. But I didn't think it was like, so abnormal that I needed to go get help necessarily. Did your
0: life was your life different, though? Like, did your life start to change?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was I was joking with a high school friend about it recently. He's like, man, you got really good grades for someone who couldn't read. Um, and, uh, it's true. Like I couldn't really, I like never read a full book after I got started getting these symptoms because of the, like not being able to see thing. And, um, like, uh, so that was weird. Like trying to get through school without, in college too, without being able to read very well. And, um, yeah, I guess it, it sort of, it got worse, and worse as I got older, right? So, like, because I wasn't treating it. So, um, like... Oh, those I prenatal were-
0: those prenatal vitamins didn't treat it for you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. No, unfortunately, they didn't. And so it was, like, I just had a lot of moments where I didn't understand why things were so much harder for me than everybody else or why... I was so much more tired than everybody else. Um, I couldn't tolerate alcohol in college, which unfortunately didn't stop me from drinking, but made it like pretty ugly when I did drink. Um, And Mm. (laughs) I mean, also, like I never blacked out because I always got sick before I got to that point. Um, And then there were there were some points where like there was a time in college when I was having chronic sinus infections, like the different um, medications and stuff that I was taking for that meant that I was really tired and like really had to opt out of a lot of the social stuff in college that I was really excited about and you know was experiencing depression because of that and so it was like you know I was I'm very lucky that I wasn't somebody who was ever like bed bound for a long time but it was like lots of difficulty for a long time until um, there were like a couple periods in my mid-20s And then, yeah, in different parts of my 20s, I guess, where things got really bad and I really did have to, like, stop doing everything. But for the vast majority, it was just a lot of, like, discomfort and things being really difficult and um, a lot of, like, sadness
0: around that. Right. Um, What did it feel like to be so separate from your peers in college?
1: I mean, it was was just... (sighs) hard because i also didn't have the tools and the practice that i have now in learning how to talk about it and be real with people about it um and um
0: did you feel ashamed
1: yeah. uh yeah a little bit and then just there was just a lot of suffering alone you know like a lot of um yeah like feeling like i couldn't talk to anybody about what was happening or that nobody would get it like lots of feelings of isolation um, and then also probably like like lots of just like pushing myself to do things that I probably shouldn't have done.
0: Right. Yeah, I still relate to that. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so it's what? Thing. Yeah. So what pushed you over the edge to go seek harder for a diagnosis?
1: So I guess like a few years after school, I burned out really hard. Um, I was working as the recruitment director for a little environmental nonprofit. Um, it was a really cool job. I had a ton of responsibility. Um, but it was just, it was really stressful for somebody who's, it would be really stressful probably for somebody who wasn't sick. Um, and I wasn't dealing with the fact that I was sick at all. So I made it really stressful for myself. (laughs) And, um, so yeah, so when I burned out of that really hard, my, um, my mom actually has been a huge champion for me. I mean, she, she kept being like, I think you have Lyme disease. I think you have Lyme disease. And I was like, whatever the doctors say that I have fibro. So like, it's probably it. Um, and, but she sort of like insisted and she's like, look, you're in a lot of pain. Like we need to do something about this. And so we, this was like the first time that I tried to get it figured out. We went to a doctor in New York and, um, it was, a, it was an alternative practice. I don't even know what kind of testing they did. I don't even know. Unfortunately, I don't know all the treatments that they did because they wouldn't let me get my medical records. Um, it kind of ended up being a sketchy situation, and I felt like they were taking advantage of me and my family. So we stopped before I completed the treatment with them um, and did feel better. Um, but then for a while, um, like after that, I... I don't know. I sort of went back to operating under this fibromyalgia diagnosis because that's what the other doctors that I was seeing were telling me that I had. Um, and so I just did everything that the fibro books tell you to do. right? Like I changed my diet. I did a lot of exercise. I got super into working out. Um, and I did get a lot better. Not like 100%, but like way more functional. Like not necessarily in like tons of chronic pain every day. It was much happier. Like doing a lot of stuff. Um, And then I got into um, a bike crash. I got doored on my bicycle and got a pretty bad concussion, like panic attacks, concussive symptoms for two months, um, just like pretty bad shape. And um, all my Lyme symptoms came back, Uh, like all these things that I'd forgotten about. I was like, oh, hello, old friend (laughs) that I had forgotten about. Um, And it was then that I was like, all right, like it's time to get real and like, really figure this out, and I had the um the privilege of working with um Dr. Sam Danta, who's featured in under our skin um and so started that's he gave me a clinical diagnosis started taking antibiotics, and that was kind of um the beginning of i would say like the beginning of my healing for real and then you know that was like two thousand thirteen so um been working on a lot since then
0: right so Will you tell us the name of this place that you felt like took advantage of you or you won't?
1: <sighs> oh, well, I f- I'm not sh- I mean, I don't know if, if, if they've changed now. And um, like, I also didn't know then what I know now about Lyme. So like, I just I want to encourage people to like take it with a with a grain of salt. But it was Manhattan Advanced Medicine.
0: Okay. I mean, it's just important because especially as – thank you for sharing it – because especially as a person with Lyme disease, like I know how crazy it is to get sent in a million different directions and go to so many different doctors and places and who's – who's telling the truth and who isn't and who can you trust and who can't you. And I think what you did was you used your intuition and you listened to yourself in that situation. And, of course, it could be totally different for somebody else. But mm-hmm. um, I just – I like to have that information available if my guest is willing. So thank you. Um, so you found this doctor. You got a clinical diagnosis. You never even did an Igenix blood test.
1: I didn't. I was. I was. I had the Eugenics, uh package in my closet, like ready to do it when I saw Dante, and he gave me the clinical diagnosis. So, um, I don't know. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm not going to spend those hundreds of dollars if I don't have to. Um, so, right?
0: Did you struggle? Yeah. Did you struggle at all with like? Is this because def- I know I and a lot of other Lyme patients struggle with like, is this really what's going on, you know, without this blood test? And even with the blood test, like I even had my diagnosis through hygienics and it was positive And I was still like, is this even real? Am I just causing all these symptoms? <laughs> you know, so did you struggle with that? Not having the, the
1: blood test? Uh yeah, well I mean that's why like I didn't believe it after the first time I was diagnosed um cuz I I really just questioned the hell out of it and um and you know I think with with all of us who have Lyme like Lyme is really just one piece of the pie. And so I mean even now sometimes like I'm not certain like I'm I'm I I've had other like things indicate that I have Lyme but I'm still not certain that Lyme was like my primary issue. Um like, I just I think that, you know, with with co-infections and like, you know, the Epstein-Barr thing and like, you know, there's just I think it's a lot more complicated than we even realize, you know, because there's still so much research that has to be done. So I definitely have had moments of doubt. And um, I guess I'm still <laughs> I'm still doubting in some ways that it's like my primary thing. But um, it's easy to just like it's easier to just put myself under the lime umbrella. Right. Because, um we like, even though uh, you and I have had different experiences, like, we've also had very similar experiences. And so, um, I've just found it, uh, I've, I've just sort of settled into the Lyme diagnosis because, like, in so many ways, it, it has felt right. And it has helped me find community with people that really understand what I'm going through.
0: Right. And you bring up such a good point. Like, it's people that get really sick with Lyme. As sick as I got, as sick as you've gotten, as sick as a lot of people got, it's almost never just Lyme. Right. Almost never. You have to, you have to find all these underlying issues to really heal because usually people that are getting that sick have compromised immune systems in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, so whether it's like from mold or from an immune disorder like I have or from heavy metal toxicity or from trauma, whatever, there's, there's usually many pieces of the puzzle. You're totally right. So being under the Lyme umbrella is kind of a, you know, a big umbrella. (laughs) Mm-hmm. so that makes so much sense um so i wanted to talk to you for a second about the spoonie theory because you have a group on facebook called spoony superstars which mm-hmm. i so applaud your your ability to seek people out that are having similar experiences to you and help them but also just create community you've done such a good job in my eyes, just creating community for people and with people and for yourself. So you created this Spoonie Superstars Facebook group, and it's an awesome group, guys. You should definitely join. And I'm i so interested. I think the Spoonie Theory and you guys out there who – are sick or aren't sick and have heard this word spoonie thrown around, we're going to explain it right now. Mm-hmm. I I never use the word, not because I, d- I totally agree with the theory, but I just never use it and it never really has come up on this podcast. So I thought you were the perfect person to bring it up with. Can you please mm-hmm. explain
1: to us the spoonie theory and how it's worked in your life? Yeah, sure. So it was um it was created by, I hope I don't butcher her name, but Christine Miss Anderino, who, um, is like, uh, old school, uh, chronic illness blogger, like, like one of the first ones, like, like web 2.0 kind of old school. Um, and, uh, and so it was, it's a disability metaphor that she created. So she was, um, the story I think is that she was sitting in a diner and she was trying to explain to a friend of hers what it was like to live with, um, With a chronic illness and she's like it's like you and like most able-bodied people come into the into the an average day with let's say eight spoons and she like was holding like a cup of spoons at the diner. She's like people like me come into the day with four spoons and if we want to do something let's say we want to do laundry that's like two spoons of energy and then we only have two more spoons for the rest of the day. And we really have to ration our energy, right? Because if we want to make food, that could be the other two spoons and then we're toast for the rest of the day. And so um, it's really just, it's really a nice way to talk about having limited energy um, or limited capacity. And um, I like it for a few reasons. I mean, it's been really helpful to, uh, to share the spoon theory with friends um, and family and so that they can, Let's like if we're out in the world doing something, they can check in with me and be like, what's your spoon level like? Or like my best friend is really good at this because her husband is also a spoonie. And she'll ask me, she's like, oh, we're going to go do this thing. Like, do you have the spoons to join us? And it's just like to me, it feels like a nice way to check in and like feel acknowledged and seen for having limited um, energy without having to go into like, well, like. I'm having a flare up today Mm -hmm. or these are my symptoms or like blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of like that. um, I like that, that Spoonie is kind of a way to unite different people that are having different illnesses, but are having similar experiences. Cause I've found like one of the things that's kind of frustrated me. um, Like I grew up in DC, right. I really care about politics. I'm always thinking about like, how can we, politically change the situation for people with health challenges. And I think one of the um, unfortunate circumstances of how things play out is that like, as, as Lyme people, we belong to like Lyme advocacy organizations. And as if you have lupus, you belong to the lupus organization. And like, we're all kind of siloed, right. Or like we go to the lupus support group or the Lyme support group, but really we have so much to learn from each other. And we have so much, like if we could come together we could do so much cool stuff together. And so I think Spoonie is like a nice way to to unite people. Right. Because you can have so many different kinds of of mental and physical health challenges and be a Spoonie and like recognize the Spoonie in someone else without ever having to go into the details. Um, so that's like I mean, I think there's still I have people in my life who don't like to use it because it's still they feel like identifying as sick, which or identifying as disabled, which um, is not always helpful. But um, for me, it feels like a way to acknowledge our experience without necessarily saying I'm a sick person or I'm somebody with Lyme disease or something like that.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's an amazing description and I love the way you use it and I I think you're absolutely right. Like people with chronic illness, we actually no matter the diagnosis have so much in common. Mm-hmm. Um and we need to be able to speak to each other about how we're getting through because so much for me about getting through Lyme disease, yes, I needed people with Lyme specifically to understand Mm-hmm. because Lyme is such a such a specific beast. Um but I also I also just needed to talk to people who understood what it was like to be knocked on their ass for a really long time, you know? Mm-hmm. And people who had things like neck injuries were able to speak to me in a way that I needed to be speak to, spoken to about self-worth. You know, you are worthy exactly as you are right now. That person had a neck injury and they were in bed for, you know, a year. And it's Mm -hmm. like nothing would – I didn't have a neck injury, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. So you're absolutely right. And, you know, you talked about earlier in the podcast how you were suffering alone. You were suffering in silence. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that was such a big part of the pain for you. So really breaking through that and building a community, and we've talked about this on here before, is such a big part of healing. And so I just love, I love what you do with that. And I love that you have that. And thank you so much for explaining the spoon theory and how you use it. And it's so (laughs) true. And even me healed from Lyme, but I still have my immune disorder stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like some days I still, I'm not, I'm just not up for it. Uh, yeah, I'm not up for all of the things. So it's it's a it's a really, really good reminder. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, the things that you think got you well. The mm-hmm. the beginning, the beginning of the journey, right? What were the first
1: treatments you did? Yeah, so I did antibiotics for almost two years, which, um, you know, was maybe helpful sometimes it's hard to tell (laughs) um because i'm still dealing with sort of the um, digestive fallout from that experience um so like i wouldn't necessarily advise oral antibiotics for two years to anyone um because of my experience but after that i did um, two years of herbal treatment and um, parasite cleansing which Um, At the time that I started doing that, I was talking to my family about getting a wheelchair and within six months, maybe less, I was running again for the first time in like three years. So that was huge. My herbalist, Tommy Priester, is awesome. (laughs) and I love him so much and I've learned so much from him. Um, And at one point, like the I don't know, I was like it was like it had been a year and a half and I was still passing parasites. And it's like he's like, it's weird that you're, that this is still happening. He's like, maybe you should look into biofeedback. And so, um, in looking into biofeedback, I found Ondomed and Ondomed is, um, a machine that comes out of Germany and it's both biofeedback, um, and, uh, it's, it's this really cool machine basically that both diagnoses and treats a variety of things. So it uses biofeedback to look for, um, like things basically like broadly, like things in the body that aren't working. So like scar tissue, inflammation, all hosts of other things. And then it uses pulsed electromagnetic frequencies to, um, to correct the problem. And it works on the meridians like acupuncture. So if, if anyone's had acupuncture before and you went and got onto med, like it would, it would seem similar in terms of the things that it brings up. Um, but the, uh, within six months of doing the on med, or maybe less, um, I wasn't, I was like, holy shit, I'm not taking naps anymore. Like, it's like, it's it's kind of subtle. It's not necessarily like you walk out of the office and you're like, ah, it just kind of sure. like slowly like builds on itself. And it was, it was like every few treatments, I, I was like, oh, I don't have that symptom anymore. Oh, I don't have that symptom anymore. Um and so I did that like every two weeks for six months and then um, once a month for six months. And now I kind of go um, every once in a while. Like I went yesterday since I just moved and felt things felt like they were stirred up. Um, but um, it'll so it'll it'll bring up different things like it'll bring up Lyme. It'll bring up co-infections. It'll bring up um you know, digestive disorders, circulation issues, um, all different kinds of things. And so I, I, what I think is really cool about it is that it's like, no matter what you have going on or what your regular doctor has tested you for and found, like, it's going to find stuff and it's going to fix it. It's like kind of awesome. Um, so yeah, so I'm a huge fan of OnDemed. I send lots of people to the practitioner that i know um and how can would, you
0: how can you find a practitioner for med
1: so yeah so if you go to the just the Ondamed website um which i think is just ondemed.com um ondemed.net excuse me you can search by state um and find practitioners the tricky thing is that some of the people on the site are just individuals that have the machine um and there's no real way it's not easy sometimes to tell whether someone's a practitioner or just an individual so just warning people like don't get too excited if you see a long list of people for your state um <laughs> but um for folks in Massachusetts uh I see Rachel Marshall she's amazing um and um yeah but so the, so that was huge and I'd say like there's sort of three other things in the last year that have been really helpful. So like um I had a situation last summer where there was a pretty big mold situation in the house that I was living in and my um I was having a really hard time breathing. I was having like really severe asthma. Um just like and like also couldn't really eat anything. It was really really bad a situation. Um and I felt like I had had this um, calling for a while to move out to the city, to move to Western Massachusetts, um, move out of Boston. And I was like, all right, well, (laughs) I had already moved like three times in uh, like a little over a year. And I was like, I think I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm just going to pull the trigger and move to Western Mass. And um didn't like i moved to this small town called Shelburne Falls i didn't know anyone there i left my partner and all my friends behind um but i did so because this is kind of like crazy like woo-woo thing. But some of the some of the work that I do with people now is um is I do a lot of visioning work with people, like like looking like tapping into your intuition and being like, what do I really want my life to look like or what feels really important to me right now? And um for years like I would put my hand on my heart and be like, okay heart, what do you want? And what came up for me again and again and again was the vision of this field that I had seen on a trip in Western Mass. Um, at this point, like five years ago, I just kept seeing that field over and over and over again. So when this, when I had this mold situation last year, uh, I thought, all right, like, I'm just going to go, go to that town and like, see if I can live there. Cause there's something there for me. I don't know what it is. And, um, you know, like looked at two places on Craigslist. One of them was perfect. It had amazing energy, definitely didn't have mold. Um, the landlady who lived next door is like an old hippie who was like, yeah, you know, I surround the house regularly in beams of light, <laughs> and I was like, "Sweet, like that's why this place feels great." Um, and so, and and so, I just did that. And I actually, I, you know, I wasn't ready to move. I didn't have the money to move, and like ran a crowdfunder to raise money for um, my moving truck because I didn't have the like $250 I needed for the moving truck. Um, and like my friends in my community came through so so strong it was so it was like I was it felt like um I just felt overwhelmed with gratitude but also like shame at the same time but mostly gratitude (laughs) because it's just like I've I've asked for people for money so many times in my healing journey um and I just mentioned that because I think a lot of people think that's not an option and it's something that has supported me tremendously in my journey um and so I moved to this town Shelburne Falls to heal and like having just moved back from there like I can say mission accomplished like I don't I can't tell you exactly I can tell you like lots of cool things that happened there but can't tell you exactly like what it was um there is like this geological formation in the town called the glacial potholes that people say is a healing vortex I don't really know but (laughs) that might have something to do with it um and then while I was there I got into the dynamic neural retraining system DNRS which I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Jackie.
0: I do, um, but I want to I want to use this as an opportunity to take a break for the weekly challenge.
1: Ooh, let's do it. Welcome
0: to our weekly challenge segment where we arm you with new tools each week to kick some self-care butt. As you explore all of these new options presented weekly, my hope is that you will come to collect a number of quick ways to take care of yourself inside and out. You will essentially have your very own and very handy self-care toolkit. Some of the challenges may not work for you, and some will seem perfectly tailored to you. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness. Keep in mind that the goal is always progress, not perfection. The only rule is that you are never allowed to beat yourself up. Keep me posted on your progress. Stay accountable. It helps. Okay, let's hit this week's challenge. Okay, Noelle, the reason I took a break here is because you were talking about your intuition in moving to this town that has had huge benefits for you. So tell us what the challenge is this week.
1: Okay, so the challenge is to practice um, tapping into your body's wisdom and straight up asking your body what it needs every day. So I like to do this after meditating, um, if you already have a meditation practice. But if you don't, you can practice just taking a few deep breaths and bringing your hands um, to anywhere on your body that feels like it needs a little attention. So like if you're having a headache, you can put your hand on your head. If you're having stomach stuff, you can put your hand on your belly Or if it's like my pain is everywhere or I don't have pain, you can just put your hand on your heart and simply ask your body, um, like, what is it that you need to heal today or what is it that you'd love today? And just practice noticing what comes up. Um, And it could be something really straightforward or it could be something that seems really weird. So the other part of the practice is to practice um, being open to whatever comes up and, and not judging it or thinking that it's weird or stupid or anything like that.
0: I love this challenge and I can't stress enough how important it has been in my own journey. I think – and I work with clients too and this is one of the first things I I go over with them. Like Mm -hmm. you need – I needed to know what my body needed in different moments and that was really how I healed little by little by asking myself what I need now and then two seconds later asking myself what I need now. (laughs) Um and it was really surprising and you had written that in the email you sent to me like sometimes the answers will surprise you and they they can be really surprising for me it was like a um a direct line of communication with my inner child I would mm. always kind of talk to little Jackie about kind of what she needed and sometimes like I remember I was going to Indonesia for treatment and I was so sick I was in a wheelchair I at the airport, you know, I was just so sick and I was journaling on the layover in Hong Kong. And after I journaled, I, I did like a little yoga stretch and then I put my hand on my heart and I was like, okay, little Jackie, like, what do you need right now? And she was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm in Hong Kong and I'm going to Indonesia. Like, I just want to play and, like, see shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, of course you do. Like, let's just... Tap into the kind of adventure of this experience here. And I remember just it shifting my whole attitude. And I just can't, I think it's so important to be able to have a line of communication with yourself where you can consistently meet your own needs and be your primary caretaker.
1: Yeah. It's such a game changer. I love that so much. And I, I've done the inner child stuff myself, and and recommended it to my clients too. It can be so good, so good. Yeah. Like only only we can really give ourselves what we need, so we might as well ask what we need.
0: Right. Exactly. Only we can. Only we can do it. And my experienced doctors haven't even been able to give me what I need. So, it's really up to me to meet my own needs first, and then and then go out and and you know get from other people so I absolutely love this challenge guys start checking in with yourself after meditation or after a few deep breaths in the morning or as many times as you need to during the day um and see what comes up and see if you can meet your needs and why you might be resistant to meeting your needs uh so this is super fun so okay so now I do want to get into the dnrs treatments will you please explain what those are
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll just say because um, I think this is typical for for folks like us that have really tried so many different things. Like I knew about the dynamic neural retraining system for two years before I tried it. Um Somebody told me about it at a Lime conference and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's like probably like everything else that works for some people and not for others. And um like I just put it on the shelf with things like, you know, Qigong and like, I don't know, different things that I'm like, I should do that. But like, you know, someday I will. Um, and then, uh, I heard about it another time, same reaction. And then two of my, um, my Lyme buddies, um, cause having Lime buddies is good to, is a good thing to have <laughs> were um, we're starting it and had like crazy good results. Like my friend Eli, and I have an interview with him on YouTube, If folks want to check it out. Um. He was he had he's he had Lyme, but he had multiple chemical sensitivities and mold sensitivities that were so bad that he was literally living in a tent in his mom's backyard um, and like would go out into the world with this like huge, scary looking like gas mask type thing on because that was the only way that he could function. And within a couple, I guess it was like a month and a half, maybe maybe just a month after doing the dynamic neural retraining system he got on a plane which is like death if you have chemical sensitivities and flew to New York City and like sent us a picture of him um, from Times Square and I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) there's something here I gotta try it Um, and so the dynamic neural retraining system is you either go it's like a it's like a practice that you do an hour a day every day for at least six months. And you can learn it either by going to a DNRS training, or you can order the DVDs, which are basically a recording of a training that you watch over four days from home. And it teaches you how to do the practice, which is a a combination of um, like somatic practices, life coaching, affirmations. There's some positive visualization involved. You also do some recalling of positive memories. and you do 4 15 minute rounds a day um, and uh it's essentially like you walk yeah you like walk around in a circle and talk to yourself and it changes um it's it's designed to rewire your limbic system so it's based on the um it's on, amazing it just it's <laughs> it's
0: amazing because we talk about so many kooky things and I am, like, so open-minded, obviously, today. I've done it all. But, like, if somebody's listening and they're like, oh, you walk around in a circle talking to (laughs) yourself. Some of the things I did to heal made me look so crazy and they helped the most. So, anyway, continue, please. I'm obsessed with this already.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, I just, like was practicing with no shame like i would do it in the airport in the waiting area and i was like i don't give a fuck what people think of me right now like i'm healing my brain um and and the thing is like if you're at all skeptical like just like start googling videos on neuroplasticity exercises because even outside of dnrs um, i mean dnrs is based on a lot of research that people have um Done in it to retrain brains in other ways and other things to do pretty amazing things. Um, but the woman, um, Annie Hopper, who develops DNRS, developed it specifically for multiple chemical sensitivities and found that it helps people with chronic pain, with Lyme disease, um, chronic depression, chronic anxiety, because it's designed to rewire the limbic system. And the limbic system is part of your brain that has control over a bunch of, a bunch of, um, different like systems in your body which is why it can be so um game-changing and the idea is that um because of some kind of trauma either like emotional psychological physical trauma even something like a bacteria or a virus your limbic system um gets kind of stuck in in like a loop and it just it's like so instead of um like one time being like jackie you have a virus let's fix it let's go into overdrive and heal it it's like it never stops. It's like for years and years and years, it's an overdrive. Um, and I don't know if you've seen this, Jackie, but I've seen it so many times with clients and, and friends and stuff where you meet people that um, have chronic health challenges and you can literally see them like shaking a little bit like they're just like they have this kind of like nervous energy. Um, yeah. And like that's like a physical manifestation of the limbic system being stuck. Um, and so what DNRS does is it, it like read, it trains the limbic system to know that it's, that it's safe and that it doesn't have to freak out 24 seven.
0: I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I want to do it. Tell me, <laughs> did you, I want to hear what you were about to say, but did you do the DVDs or did you see somebody?
1: I did the DVDs.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. So what, are- what did you notice? Yeah. You noticed a big change.
1: Yeah. So I'll say like within two weeks of starting it, I went home for Thanksgiving and my mom like flipped her shit. She was like, oh, you're better. Like she was so happy. Like I had I walked in the house and started talking to her and it was like every like 30 minutes or so she would just smile and be like, you're better. <laughs> it was um, and I hadn't even told her how I was feeling, like she could see it in my face and in my energy. Wow. Um, but yeah, it just—it all of a sudden felt like everything was easier. I felt like I had my personality back for the first time since the bike accident that I had been in, the bike crash. Um, I, you know, wasn't experiencing daily chronic pain. And then I would say, like, uh, I'm sure some of your listeners have this experience where, um, when you don't feel good most of the time, you get a lot of anxiety about going places, um, and like. Am I going to have the food that I need? Am I going to be able to rest if I need to? Um, and I'd certainly had that experience. Like I talked myself out of going to several weddings that were really important to me and going on trips that I had organized because I just felt like I wasn't feeling well and wasn't, was going to feel worse if I did those things. And like that completely went away with DNRS. I was like, I felt really capable. It was like, Oh, right. I can plan for this. I I've, I've been dealing with this for years. Like I know what to do. (laughs) It was like, that was really the best part was that everything just got a lot easier.
0: I'm gonna do it. I'm so turned on by this idea. <laughs> I haven't heard about this at all, Noelle. And I wanted to say that too. Like if you're a person that's sick and trying to get well, or if you're just a person in the world, pay attention, pay attention to what comes up again and again and again in your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Because you were saying like, you just kept hearing about it,
1: you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And that wasn't my experience. Like that wasn't a thing I kept hearing about. But when you really just get get focused and pay attention, you will be led to what's right for you. Mm-hmm. So this is brilliant. I'm totally, I'm like beyond excited to to try some DNRS. Um that's so great. So so today you're doing really well, you moved, you're working, you're supporting yourself as as self-employed business owner. Um, how do you manage a big full life with self-care today?
1: Mm. Um, well, the great thing about being a coach that supports other people in their healing is that I have to stay really on top of my healing in order to be a good coach, um, which is a, a, a real blessing. Like, uh, And I really, I can notice really quickly if I'm sliding or if I'm not taking good care of myself. Um, so, um, I continue to get coached, <laughs> um, by, uh, a life coach who's also a mentor of mine. And that, that really, that is, that was a huge turning point in my healing when I started getting coached, um, five years ago or four years ago. And, um, it's still really important for me to, it's still like really important thing to, to it, it's important to help me stay on track. Um, and I think like what I'm seeing as self-care has shifted a little bit. So like had a breakthrough this summer, I'm writing a book um, about the mind and spirit side of healing. Um, and I was having trouble figuring out like so, when I wasn't feeling well, I was like, okay, so do I write? Or like, do I meditate and do yoga and like take an Epsom cell bath? <laughs> like, you know, there isn't necessarily always time to do all the things and what one of my mentors helped me see was that in my case right now writing this book is self-care and if that means skipping some of my you know quote-unquote self-care routine to write like that's okay and I just need to trust that that's gonna heal me in the same way and so I've been operating with that mindset and it's um it's been really true (laughs) like if I like I took I don't know 10 days off from writing around the time of my move and I got really grumpy and was like and also wasn't feeling well and then once I got back into my writing routine like it just brings me so much joy um because at my core like I really am a writer it's like a huge part of who I am um so I'd say like that's that's part of how I stay on track now is writing regularly
0: this is such a good point self-care can mean so many different things and sometimes something that actually falls under the umbrella of work is self-care. It's not always an Epsom salt bath and meditation. It's not. (laughs) Um, And I think it's something that we've been talking about kind of a theme through this episode has been getting good at knowing yourself, right? Mm. So it's a matter of really knowing yourself and being coached is such an amazing way to get support and help in in finding what your truth is, right? Mm -hmm. But it does always come back to your truth. So Mm -hmm. when you know yourself, you can kind of walk that fine line of like what's self-care, what's overdoing it, you know, where do I, where does my illness end and my depression begin? Like there are all these, these kind of tight ropes to walk when you're sick to find, to find the balance. And I love that. For me, self-care can also be work and writing yesterday I was in bed all day because I had had IVIG treatment the day before and I, and I was in the mm-hmm. hospital on Monday because I got heat exhaustion <laughs> anyway oh. so I was in I was I decided to rest yesterday but I uh, but I worked for like three hours from the couch you know and it was like mm-hmm. that is self-care for me I don't yeah. I enjoy the work I get to do so I love that. Thank you so much for bringing that point up and and I think that's so 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 important. All right, Noel, tell us what your advice would be to anyone in this crazy Lyme or chronic illness journey feeling so crazy and hopeless and desperate for a solution today. <laughs>
1: um yeah, I mean I think I think you uh really touched on it when we were talking about the weekly the weekly challenge, Jackie. I mean, my big advice is to, um, to to notice what you're being called to do. Whether that's like you're being called to a specific kind of treatment, or you're being called, like I was, to move, or maybe you're being called to, uh, like I have, like I have a friend who with MS, and she was being called to dance. And um, when she really got into that, and like really, you know, she like signed up for some dance trainings and stuff it like really changed her life and like really up leveled her healing in a huge way so i would say um like you know sometimes we want to fix everything with our cognitive mind but um we only use our cognitive minds like two to five percent of the time and so we really want to tap into like what does my heart have to say what does my belly have to say like what what am i really being called to do and and answering that call is is takes a lot of courage but I just I've you know <laughs> it took me a long time to do it myself and so I'm just trying to support everyone in doing that sooner so that that they don't hopefully won't have it won't take them 15 years like it took me um because I really think that's the gateway to healing It's like the yellow brick road that's going to take you um to a different level of wellness something that has been really huge for me is sort of reclaiming my identity as an artist um like I for a few different reasons for a long time. I just, I was like, art's not important. I need to focus on changing the world or whatever. Like <laughs> I had all these ideas about what art was. And for me, um, you know, I started being called to, I've been called for a long time to sing. And a couple of years ago, I finally took voice lessons and that was like huge for me. Like brought me so much joy. Um, And I'm still, you know, I'm not trying to be Aretha Franklin, but like I'm so much happier now that I sing regularly and, you know, let myself sing and call myself a singer. Um, Same thing with the book. You know, I was feeling called to write this book and and actually writing it um, brings me so much joy.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And one other thing I want to say that what I'm hearing from you that I also think is important is that none of it is urgent, like you never, mm. you never got this calling, and then felt like you needed to do it right now. You, it sounds <laughs> like it sounds like you really sat with and any intuitions that you've experienced that you really like let them um, percolate for a while. You know, like you knew you had this vision of this field, and you held it for a while, and then suddenly it was right. Um, mm. And I feel like that's been true of all the other things that you got turned on to. You never said, that's it, and then jumped on it, which I think <laughs> is a really, for me, a person that operates, like my operating system is urgency, right? So mm-hmm. like <laughs> I, I am a person that's like, I need to do that right now or I'm a failure. So it's really good for me to be reminded that sometimes you just you just have to hold these visions and then wait till the time feels exactly right. Um, And sometimes you just need to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's intuition in that too. Like, when when is the right time? And um, like, I have a client who's, uh, she's a big time writer too. And uh, she keeps kind of going back and forth. Like, is it time to write the book? Oh, but it's not time. And like, I just have so much respect for her because it's like, it's, it, she knows it's going to emerge and she's just trusting that. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, that's really great. And it's like, I, I don't know. Someone said to me once, like sometimes not doing yoga is doing yoga. You know, it's like uh, we just need to tap in sometimes and, and say, okay, is this the right time? And just, and just trust whatever comes up. Cause I think you're right. Like sometimes jumping on it is the way to go. Right. But sometimes sitting on it is the way to go too.
0: Right, right. And there's no wrong way. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's there's you no one's doing anything wrong. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Noelle. Is there any last thing you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, they should give money
1: to your Patreon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously though, like I think uh I think that scarcity mindset is like a epidemic within people within the community of people with health challenges, which is normal, right? Because um you know we already have like a quote-unquote scarcity of wellness and like uh we spend a lot of money on treatment it's really expensive blah blah blah. but like uh we can only heal with an abundance mindset and so like deciding to support something like your podcast jackie is like uh i think a really great step in adopting more of an abundance mindset than a scarcity mindset. So I would recommend that as another thing that people should do. Mm, Wow, you really tied that in very well
0: to, to, to wellness. That was beautiful. That's so true. It's so true for me too. I had such a scarcity mindset and I really did. I have a little rock on my nightstand that says I am abundant health because abundant is a really important word to me. I need to believe that there's always more. Um, and I do believe that there's always more and so that's just absolutely beautiful and I loved what you said about the fundraiser too It's all so helpful. You guys, um follow follow noel on instagram and facebook and join the spoony superstars group and noel Tell us where we can get to your website and everything else
1: Yeah, so my website's just um noeljanka.com um janka is j-n-k-a and um Yeah. If you find Spooning Superstars on Facebook, send a request. I'll bring you in. And I'm just Noelle Janka on Instagram.
0: And I will link to all of that in the show notes. And I will link to everything else we talked about, any videos, anything else we talked about, and some of your essays that I just love on your website. Mm Um, thank you again, and guys, we will see you next week. Share this with your friends that you think would benefit from it, and thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. Find me at Shay Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform, and follow me at jackieshay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through jackieshay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shay Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.